Bonnaby is the premier podcast spotlighting people of color. Every week, we talk news, what we've been playing, and tell you who's invited to the cookout. Our show is all about talking about gaming through a prism of blackness because we are the culture. Welcome to Bracaco, y'all. Welcome to the Spawn of Me podcast. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. This is episode 346 of our show. Excited to be rocking with you this week and every week. Uh, if you missed our shows this past week, you missed two bangers that we had on the feeds, which were really great. Uh, and you should definitely be able to check those out because they're on everything. They're on our YouTube channel. They're on the feeds. Uh, we had Aaron Greenberg come through and talk to us about the Xbox Game Showcase. We had Janae Benet come through and host the show uh, with three of our homies to talk about all their experiences in the fighting game community. Again, something that we want to continue to do with our platform is to spotlight and, and give folks who are dope a space to do what they do and rock with all of you in Bracago. So again, it sounds like everybody who listened to the show really enjoyed it and wants more of that. So we want to make sure we do that for sure and make sure that that's the thing that we, we plug into the space uh, really, really well. So um, this week, we don't have a lot of news because uh, it was pretty quiet in terms of the summer and, you know, there's not a lot of stuff happening until, you know, next gen stuff is going to be dropping, but Two things that we want to talk about for sure are going to be up in the upfront in the 411. But after that, we're going to have a fantastic conversation I want you to hear with Susanna Pollock, who is the president of Games for Change, which I think is going to be really cool and insightful and, and really fun. So with that said, let's roll into the news with the 411. So we have a couple of stories this week to talk about. I think they're pretty fun, interesting slants and angles to stuff that's happening in the space right now. I think, you know, we've talked about a couple of different things that's that's in the mix. Um, and I find that to be, you know, pretty, pretty interesting the way that people are kind of going with stuff. First of all, is the kind of biggest story of the week, which which is excuse me, which is Halo Infinite. Um, you know, they talked about Halo Infinite being, um, you know, shown. We had all the conversations from the Xbox showcase around what that game is going to look like. There was massive amounts of scuttlebutt in that space about, you know, how, how the graphics kind of, you know, showed themselves off and, you know, how they kind of were and, and all those things. And everybody had their, their hot take about what that thing was going to wind up being. Um, but I think. Again, Anne Greenberg kind of came through and, and, and shared some good knowledge about like where they're kind of at right now uh, with that game. And that, again, what we saw was a work in progress. One of the things that we always really want to know about Halo is the is the multiplayer, because Halo, again, is like mostly a multiplayer game that people really care about in that respect. I think that's the thing that people really come to Halo for. Um, and it was really cool to see Microsoft kind of come to the you know, their Jesus moment and having to kind of talk about what is going to happen in the free to play space. Or I should say in the multiplayer space, I jumped the gun uh, by talking about it in that in that way. But I, they talked about it online. Someone leaked some information that was about the game being not only free to play, but them having a battle pass and having some other information about that game running at 120 frames per second on console, which again is pretty interesting to hear them say that out loud i think i think them saying that in a real way you know via the via halo's uh 343 tweet is pretty big to be able to say that for sure out loud 
um, because it is a thing that people have been really trying to poke at. I think in terms of news, it's pretty big. I think that's a thing that is, again, something we didn't hear them say before. It was a thing that they talked about, um, you know, again, wanting to push the boundaries of what their series are going to wind up doing. I think at a one at 120 uh, frames per second, that is a huge leap, of course, in a technical space that they didn't own before with a franchise that they want to have as their mainstay and one of their biggest IPs on the platform. I think we will see what that means for everything else. Uh, you know, that means that you have to not necessarily cut corners in the space. I don't think that's the, I don't think that's the actual case. I think we've seen it in some games already have that ability to run at this kind of pace on PC for a long time. Now there'll be some parody uh, in the console space as well now with Halo with Halo running at 120 and possibly being graphically similar to the main campaign. You know, I would hope it would probably be have parody there. Like I wouldn't want it to look worse than what the, the current showing is. Um, and again, we still haven't even seen the full output of what that's supposed to look like from a, you know, done gone gold perspective. So I think there's still room for them to figure that out. Uh, I think that the conversations that we're going to wind up now having about what does a halo battle pass look like? If that rumor is actually true, how many people are going to be able to play at a time? Um, you know, once you start getting into the minutia of like, you know, what a halo game looks like in 2020, that's where things really start to get interesting. That's where the conversation really starts to bubble up and really starts to get people's juices flowing about the possibility of what next gen Halo multiplayer is going to be. They haven't even talked about the possibility of this thing kind of digging into esports. We haven't seen what they're going to do with, you know, content creators that they had on the space that were there with Mixer. We haven't seen any of that stuff either as a thing. Um, I think that's also going to be a very, very interesting space for sure uh, to be able to see where that kind of lays. So lots of cool things happening, lots of interesting spaces for them to occupy right now in terms of the messaging, in terms of getting stuff out into the world. Um, so I think that is going to be pretty cool to see where they wind up landing uh, once it is actually, you know, we get to see our first batch of Halo gameplay in a multiplayer perspective who knows really what's going to happen what i what we do kind of know is that the gunplay that that 343 is going to put in there is going to be good i feel like that's kind of a no-brainer for halo at this point the gunfight the gunfights are usually pretty good the gunplay is usually pretty good the guns sounded really well in the initials uh piece of info that we saw in the initial videos that we saw so i think you know I think, I think we're going to get what we kind of expected to see in that space, which I think is going to be pretty good. Like, you know, it, it will be Halo in the ways that we kind of expect it to be Halo. And that, I think that that is, I think that's totally fine for what we, what we usually have an expectation for. So really excited about that. The other news story that came up uh, today, uh, as of Monday, the 3rd of August, uh, was a new state of play happening uh, that's going to showcase nothing new about the PS5 really that we care about. Uh, really interesting blurb that they put out there in terms of, you know, Sony's state of play, which is kind of supposed to be their version of a Nintendo uh, Nintendo Direct, uh, which 
kind of has always been a little bit disappointing. Like, I think I still don't think that they've nailed what this thing is supposed to be. I think they're getting closer to what it is supposed to be. But they put out this tweet uh, that was basically like, look, we have another thing that's happening on Thursday this week. What to expect to focus on upcoming PS4 and PSVR games. I don't know if anybody cares. I mean, it's good that people are going to still be talking about that stuff with, you know, the biggest announcement that really came out in terms of PSVR was that super hot. I mean, not super hot, that pistol whip uh, came over, which is a fantastic VR game in that space. Uh, but I don't really want to see more PS4 stuff. I want to see more PS5 stuff and and dreams being on PS, PSVR is huge and, and fantastic. Uh, they're going to look at some third party and indie titles for June's uh, PS from June's uh, PS5 showcase. And they literally said it. No big PS5 announcements. I don't like. I don't I don't care then like that's cool. Like, and I guess not everyone is going to be a banger, right? Like, I don't think everything is going to hit in that same way. And I think that that's okay, but that doesn't really give me excitement for the fact that they're trying to, I don't, I don't know. It's not even like trying to get excitement for things. It's just like you have every time you put out something, every time Sony puts out a really interesting piece of news. They showed the PS5 controller during Jeff Keighley's thing. You know, they, they had their big show the box moment and everybody freaked out when they showed the box. You have so many folks right now who are really excited about your product. Again, with the conversation being like, what's the price? When are we going to be able to buy it? Was it going to be in stores? Like all that information that is still stuff that people really want to know. And you kind of hit us with the like, nah, son, no soup for you movement. Uh, which doesn't feel like it just feels like it sucks the excitement back out of the room in a space where they have excitement to share, especially when, if you ask some people, Microsoft didn't knock it out of the park fully on their last showcase. So I don't know what they're, what they're really going to show in a way that feels like it's going to make me care. And I don't remember, I think they said that there's going to be a couple of other ones that are coming up soon soon ish in terms of showcases or when they're going to show more information about the PS five. But I feel like at this point, we're all just playing, you know, like waiting for the, waiting for the, the thing to come home at this point, we're like just waiting for the, the information to just drop. So a lot of people can kind of get their stuff together to say like, all right, I know how much money I need to spend. I know how much money I need to save. And I know where I need to start that process of getting that thing done. And it just feels like we're still playing chicken with Sony in a way that doesn't seem necessary. And I want somebody to jump at this point, Microsoft or Sony. Like I want someone to just like spill the beans and just be like, yo, this is what it's going to cost. This is how much it's going to, how much we're going to be able to ship out. Like we think we're going to be able to do all of this for launch in, in fall. Because at this point, all the news, unless you're going to show me a new game, that's going to be on the platform. You're going to show me more features that are going to be on the, on the, on the console, or you're going to tell me a price. Everything else is kind of like, I don't care for both of them. Like show the stuff already at this point. I know that's not going, going with the, the, the marketing plan, but I know that for me as a person who watches this stuff really, really intently and intensely, I should say, like, I just want to know at this point so I can get all my ducks in a row so that I don't have to like do all the extra stuff. It goes along with that. 
So that's one angle of the Sony news for today. The other angle of Sony news today was that they shared that the Avengers game that's going to be coming out, there's a beta coming out in a couple of days, actually, I think on the 6th of August, that the Sony PlayStation 5 version of the game, probably the PlayStation 4 version of the game, is going to exclusively have Spider-Man in it, and supposedly all the other versions will not. The internet freaked out about this the other night, and I understand why, well, today. I understand why. And I think that there is a part of that conversation that feels anti-consumer, which I also understand. That's a reasonable take. Um, I just don't know, to be honest, if I care that much about Spider-Man in that way to be like, I'm not getting the best version of the game. I'm not getting stuff that I wanted. I don't know if this is going to, this feels like a weird money hungry thing from Sony. I just don't know if, Personally, I care that much about that one character to be like, well, the throw the baby out with the bathwater because this one dope character is the one that I want. Like, mind you, it is not based on the Insomniac versions of stuff. They'll probably be digging directly into the comics, which is great and fine because they like they, they do that. And that's actually where you want them to kind of pull that information from. They just talked about Hawkeye in that space. And again, if you did not see the Play Avengers last War Table stream, Go back and watch that. Like, you know, exclusives aside, I think Avengers right now from Crystal Dynamics really stepped their game up in terms of giving them more runway to be dope than it was even before. Like, I remember I clowned on that game super hard, called it the Walmart Avengers because I was like, who the hell are these characters that nobody knows? And these all people look weird. And these are not the characters that, that we see from the movies and didn't care. I am so in on this game right now. Like I am so excited for this thing to come out. I am so hyped to be able to start playing stuff because of all the things that they shared and the visual polish on the 4k version of the video sold me on it. That made me definitely want to get it on PS PS uh, PC for sure. Now with the Sony stuff happening, I, I, I don't know. I'm probably going to buy this game twice on multiple platforms because I, as much as I don't care about that thing, if I can get it on a system that I'm already going to wind up buying anyway, it's contradictory. I know I can hear you in the chat. I know I can hear you at home in your headphones be like cause an asshole, but if it is a thing, well, actually here's the actual thing, because I think once you do this kind of maneuver, especially with the space being the way it is right now, I think you have to, you have to, you must have a cross save variation in there somewhere. It has to be a part of the ecosystem of this game. It has to be a feature of this game. If you're going to gate people from not being able to play with certain characters like that, that's going to suck for people because if you don't, if you want people to do that jump and say, all right, so if you're only going to play on next gen consoles, because if that's the truth and they're going to gate that only to PS4, Sony products. That means PC doesn't get it either, which also was really stupid. Um, then you got to put some kind of cross save stuff in there so that people, when they do bounce between different consoles and different stuff, like even if it's not there, you'll still be able to, to build up your characters, you know, playing across, across different platforms. Cause I think I've just seen that game running on whatever the, you know, the P, you know, on whatever the PC version was when I saw it at uh, the event a couple months ago or like late last year. 
Um, and that game looked really good. It didn't look as good as it did in the, uh, the stuff they had in the war table, but it looked really good. So, um, I feel like you have to make cross saves a thing in here. Uh, I feel like you have to figure out a way to, if you're not going to do an exclusive across each platform, you have to figure out some ways to make that either a timed exclusive, which they haven't said, but Sony again is like Spider-Man is ours. It's an IP that we have because of Sony pictures. Like we need to hold on to that. Um, and I think that that's still going to be just interesting to see where they wind up landing on it. I, somebody did say, and I, I thought this was smart on Twitter. They basically said like, this is still a very old school way of doing things. And I agree on that, on that, that angle. I think in a world where, again, there was a, a brief thing that I saw my fam, uh, Tony Polanco, shout out to Tony Polanco, uh, put out that basically like, Anytime Sony puts a thing out, like the, the way the community kind of comes to it is much better than they come to stuff that Microsoft does. And they get like a lot of good social, you know, uh, kudos when it comes to that, they get a lot of good social cred when it comes to social media cred, when they ever put out a thing, you know, some of that is brand loyalty. Some of that is because Sony usually puts out a very pretty box. They do really well in presentation. And it makes me think it's really funny because Microsoft has been doing lots of things that benefit multiple people, multiple versions of gamers, multiple demographics within the gaming sphere and the gaming community, and also people who are not necessarily buying their own hardware. Like they are doing stuff that's going to benefit folks who are on mobile more than Sony would ever do. And they still don't get the same love that they should in terms of like doing things in a more future facing, more, more future proof way which I find to be really interesting from a, you know, conversational standpoint, from a kind of just like timber of the conversation standpoint, from a, you know, are consumers really paying attention? Are they really as savvy as they say they are when it comes to these conversations around, you know, what's the best hardware to get and why should you get that hardware? And what's the reason for doing these particular maneuvers that we see both companies doing? I do hope that Sony kind of stops doing this as much as it's a pain in the ass and as much as it may not necessarily be the thing that like bumps you up over one threshold or the other, it does still show that they are still doing things in kind of a last gen way for a next gen console. Um, and I hope that that changes and I hope that that's the thing that they wind up fixing and doing and, and, and making better uh, because people were upset about not getting Spider-Man uh, when it comes to uh, the Marvel Avengers game, which, uh, which I'm, uh, you know, I can understand it. I ain't mad at it. They can, they can be mad about that thing. Cause they, I'd be mad too, if I wasn't going to be able to get that thing on that platform, or if I was only going to really be buying that game once it's reasonable to be upset about that thing. So, um, yeah, two, two medium pieces of news this week. Uh, you know, really interesting kind of stuff that, both Sony and Microsoft are, are doing um, with their respective IPs and their games and stuff. Uh, so again, like we're going to all be looking at whatever happens on Thursday. I'll check it out because I need to uh, and figure out what's going to happen in that space. Cause it, just to be abreast, abreast of all the things that are happening. So hopefully something interesting will happen and come out of it. So we're going to jump over. That's all the news for, for this week. Next up, we have a fantastic, again, super dope interview with Susanna Pollock uh, from Games for Change. Um, we had a chance to sit down with her uh, a couple weeks ago to talk about Games for Change Festival 
you know, the future of what Games of Change is going to be doing and how COVID changed a lot of the ways that they were doing what they were going to be doing with the festival this year. That usually is a very cool in-person conference that happens in New York City. So take a look at this, uh, hang out for a little bit, watch the interview, and we'll be right back after this. What's up, Bracago? This is Khalif here. We are rocking with the president of Games for Change, Susanna Pollock. I am super excited to get you on the show because you've had a big and fantastic week uh, with Games for Change Festival. How are, how are you doing, Susanna? Oh, well, I admit, I'm, I'm a little tired this morning. <laughs> we had a we had a tremendous three days. Um, and then, of course, leading up to the three days. But I've got to tell you, I applaud anyone who does online content and, you know, live streaming because it's a different beast than, than doing an in-person event. But it was really exciting. Yeah. I mean, as a person who uh, was a big fan of all the work that Games for Change does over the years and sees just how much it contributes to, to the good in the world in the gaming space. Um, again, I'm super excited to have you on to talk about not only the festival, but Games for Change as a whole, because, uh, you know, for the folks who may not know, you know, the work that you do and, and the work that the organization does, give the folks at home a little bit of information about what Games for Change is. Sure, sure. So we are a not-for-profit um, and we, you know, we've been around for a while, since 2004. And we were, you know, born with this kind of belief that games, video games, have a unique power beyond entertainment. Uh, you know, not only do games, you know, reach people across demographics, you know, geography, um, age group, you know, across the world, but there are these unique components about game mechanics and just the interaction in games that lend themselves really to different kind of impact, you know, opportunities. So we've been building a community uh, for the past 17 years of people in the game development industry, of course, the developers, the publishers, but also researchers and academics, large non-for-profits and foundations, and even government agencies that are using games to further their mission-oriented work. And then also more recently, young people, students, teenagers, parents, gamers, you know, all of who are either fascinated with games, they're gamers themselves, or just interested in figuring out how to tap into this medium and, uh, and access this, the amazing and enormous population of people who make games and apply it for good. Yeah, it's uh, as, a, as a former New Yorker, because I was born and raised out in New York, I remember being very, very jealous of everyone who got a chance to go to the Games, <laughs> Games for Change Festival uh, because it is this meeting of the minds for so many wonderful folks to be able to kind of get together and talk about how to use that power for good. Um, this year has been very, very different because of lots of different things, but mostly because of COVID. Um, you know, usually this is a in-person festival and an in-person conference where lots of folks kind of get together, mm -hmm. mingle, talk about all the good that they can do. How has COVID just thrown all the monkey wrenches into all that stuff? And it seems like from the conversations that I've seen and heard that you've all have tackled this and, and, and battled that and, and knocked it down pretty well. Oh, thank you. Um, so, yeah, so I guess it was around, you know, March, right, when we realized that the, the pandemic was going to hit um, so many aspects of our lives that uh, it made it very unclear, right, what the future was going to bring. And even though our, our event was in and what is in July, we just couldn't predict what the state of the world was going to be uh, then. And so we made the decision to pivot really early and felt that if we gave ourselves four or five months to 
to figure out the technical side and figure out where the world is going to be that we actually could put together a robust and interactive and a special event that is as best as we could mirrors the live experience that people have when they come to Games for Change. And one of the uh, remarkable things about our, our convening when we do this in person is that human to human interaction is, you know, the conversations that are happening in this in the hallways or after a panel or like when they people want to talk to a speaker. And so there was it was a challenge to figure out how do we how do we offer that opportunity in an environment where people can't be face to face. Um, and I think my team did a great job in, in pulling that off. And and if any of you know your viewers saw or you were online, like the 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 amount of positive chat that was going on in all of our like live chat features. And they were, I mean, they were like four or five live chats going on at any given time on the platform. Mm -hmm. It was just so rewarding to see people find each other. Like people were definitely meeting online that they hadn't seen each other in a year. Right. So there was that, there was kind of shout outs, but the new relationships that were, that were established through the, the conference, it was just really, really exciting to see. One of the great things that I noticed during the whole conference was, again, you talked about that collaborative spirit and, and, and folks kind of getting together and, and doing a lot of and having a lot of those conversations because they, you know, might not have had that chance to uh, to do that during the year because we're all still on lockdown. It seems like Games for Change, you know, one of the through lines that I always see is this want for people to be able to share knowledge and to be able to get together and figure out good ways to tackle the issues that we see in the world through games. Has that grown because of the, the the fact that we're doing this virtually in any way? Do you feel like that's gotten better? Yeah, it really has. So so when we decided to make this virtual, we also made a decision to make it free mm. for, for anyone and everywhere. Um, and one of the reasons we did that was because we did we want to acknowledge the fact that there are economic hardships that are mm. happening all over the world because of COVID. Um, and wanted to make the, the experience accessible to all, but also because we've been seeing over the last several months an increased interest and in conversation around the positive nature of games, you know, within our our society as people are finding themselves social distanced, right? And mm. and we're seeing young people spending a lot of time, I mean, not even just young people, but people in general spending time online to connect with friends, right? And to have that kind of uh, social experience. We're seeing teachers using games to help with distance learning um, and and people looking at games as a way to help with their own stresses in life and, and you know, anxiety and, and well-being. So we saw this opportunity to reach to a wider audience and, um, and it, and it, and it, I won't say it's worked, but our, our hypothesis is right, is that this is a conversation that many more people want to have. And as a result, we saw our festival multiply the attendees from what originally is about a thousand people in a physical space to over 6,800 people wow. joined our event. And it was all over the world. It was, we had, I think we were in 50, over 50 countries across five continents. And it was just like global exchange of ideas. And many, many people were online saying, you know, thank you for making this free. I've always wanted to come. I mean, and virtual, you know, I've always wanted to come. I couldn't, you know, couldn't afford to come to New York or, you know, the travel was too difficult for me. And so we really saw for the first time how 
global and and hungry you know there are the, the community is for that connection for the opportunity to meet others who are interested in in sharing as you said and uh exploring new partnerships so it was just really fantastic to see that's awesome to hear because i know that there has always been this conversation and especially in the last couple of years with the current administration that there's been some some pretty hard uh, conversations about visas and getting folks from other countries into to conferences and things like that. So to hear that that you know that mass of, of folks from all over the world were able to kind of you know be a part of this is is super awesome. I, I love to hear to hear that that's a part of the the conversation. So that's fantastic. Um, yeah, thank you. I think one of the things I also really appreciate about what you all do is that it feels like every year that you know you have the conference and you have the festival. There is a not necessarily a determined theme, but it it feels like the ideas around the world that are happening and and the the, the the taking the temperature of the space never seems to be removed from the festival. And I think that this year was even uh, more evident with the conversations in a lot of the panels that talked about distancing, that talked about uh, you know working through COVID and talking about mental health. Um, how important is it for for you and for for the organization to kind of continuously take the temperature of the room and, and, and allow for conversations around that to, to, fest, to foster within the space? You know, it's an interesting question because as any conference organizer, you have to plan ahead, right? You have to start outreach to, to speakers six months, eight months in advance. Mm -hmm. You have to lock in, right, who's speaking because there's a lot of things that have to happen between that point in which you have committed speakers to actually putting on an event. So traditionally, we organize our event across three tracks, and which we did continue. Um, and this is partly as a way to organize um, yeah, our, our programming strategy. We focus on games and learning. We focus on games and health and well-being, mm -hmm. and then civic and social issues. But throughout all of that programming, we always have a commitment to uh, share uh, providing an opportunity for unheard voices right mm -hmm. and so because of that there's a commitment to diversity and inclusivity and in, in our and our curation uh, strategy but this year when covid real when we realized how how we're going to have to pivot the event we did pause in march when we'd already did a call to action for speaker submissions you know that started back in november or december oh, wow. so we did hit pause yeah so we did have to hit pause on um on what we were committing to and say all right we really do need to to look around and say what is going to be the most useful at this time if we're having the event in july the clearly covid and the pandemic and and the effect that, that is having on society is going to be still relevant and and on people's minds we want to be sensitive to that and then soon after that happened we also had, you know, the death of George Floyd and mm. the resurgence of conversations around Black Lives Matter. And that, too, was, you know, hyper relevant. And while we, as I said, we always have curated big social issues and, and in global topics within our programming, we felt that we really wanted to address both of those uh, topics head on. And so we opened up slots and we expanded the programming slate. It's another reason why we have over 200 speakers participate is because we wanted to make room for those conversations. Um, and, and I think, uh, and I think it was, you know, the right move. I mean, people, 
you know, want to address what's important and relevant to them. Uh, and so we had some incredible speakers agree to join late in the day, um, panelists, you know, coming together to uh, to dis discuss ideas. And, um, and I think uh, we were able to offer, a, a, you know, something for everyone, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th I think it's always been fantastic to see, again, like you all, tackle that stuff and, and actually be able to to have folks come in and speak to it in good and interesting ways. I, it, you you got to tell me how hard is it to, to, to funnel down all these brilliant folks that you have to that you want to pull in for these conversations. I'm sure the, the amount of submissions that you all get throughout the year is just a, a maddening amount of, of, of numbers. How, how crazy is it to, to put a show on like this? Yeah. So yes, yes. We, I mean, there's, there's never a dearth of, you know, of amazing topics and amazing people who are doing incredible things in the games and impact space. I mean, my team will, will joke about there's a certain time of the year where I'm, they call me like, I don't know, like the, it's like the wild west. Like I'm, I'm handing out speaker <laughs> slot. Sure. You can have a speaker slot and you can have a speaker slot because I can't say no, because how do I say no to such a, an amazing committed person? And then you will see the program expand and expand and expand. Yeah. And, um, and it's a challenge, you know, it's a real challenge. It's interesting for, for a, a corporate, a conference organizer, right? Like I, I have this, I guess I feel like I have two commitments. Hmm. One is to, to make the, the best experience possible for the attendees, right? Like they have to come and feel as if, you know, their time is worth spending with us and that they, you know, and that they um, are getting something out of experience. But I also feel like I have a commitment to the community to tell their stories and, and to show, right, all of the great, great experiences that, um, or great projects that are happening to help elevate our field. But I had this moment, um, well, this feedback actually uh, from from somebody in chat, which I, I will remember and I'll try to listen to, I will try to remember when it's time to program again. They said, I really wish we had five minutes in between each speaker, mm. just so I could decompress and I could like organize my thoughts so I can be ready for the next speaker. Mm -hmm. But from a programmer, I add that up and I'm like, all right, that's three speakers less per day right. <laughs> or five speakers less per day. If I did that, how do I say no to people? Um, and so that's the ultimate, you know, challenge that we have to figure out. It's an interesting game of Jenga that you have to try to figure out how to play. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I will say that all of the speakers are captured online. So all the sessions will be available on our YouTube channel. So for those people who felt like a certain overload throughout the day, like I can't, I can't take another like crazy mind bending, you know, talk. I need to take a break. They can go and take a look at those sessions in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Do you have any chance during any of the show to like peek in and, and hang out in some of the, the, the panels and stuff as well? Like, do you get a chance to like go through some of that, that content as well? Yeah, I do. I do try to sneak, sneak out and go in. I mean, it was different this time, right? I wasn't like running around a physical space yeah. for me. I was saying, well, I wasn't sitting at a computer this year, like the way I am right now, or like the rest of most of the other presenters and, and even our, uh, people were announcing. I actually was in a studio in Brooklyn. Um, we had a limited number of people there. We had four people from our team. We had a, a skeleton crew from a production, live stream production crew. Um, but we did feel like we needed to be in a physical space together. So 
I had those, you know, so every 20 minutes, yeah, I'm running back, you know, to, to be on camera to introduce the next, the next, next group. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I had, I had time to check, check things out and there are always multiple things going on too at one time, right? There was like the live stream speaker, then there mm-hmm. was a round table conversation. We had a meet the funder session and um, yeah, so I was able to come in and out. Yeah. How, and one of the things I always have noticed as well, you know, especially right after the, the festival is over is again, that, that good energy continues to, to permeate the space and it, and it continues to, to stay there for a lot of the folks who attended. Another thing that happens often is I get to see, you know, not only when the panels are, are kind of shown and, and initially announced, but, you know, folks who got a chance to kind of dig through the content. It's always amazed me just how wide the spectrum is of folks that come mm-hmm. to Games for Change. And I feel like that's a, a kind of a beautiful sentiment and, and testament to the, all the work that you do. Can you talk a little bit about just like how you've been able to kind of snatch up so many different folks to be able to come to an event like this? Yeah, well, that's why I love what we do here. And I love I love my job because it is about bringing people into the party, right? Like I kind of feel like that's what I'm doing all year round. Like come join our community, come join our family. And it's, it's always about growing. It's all about, uh, pushing out our mission and the opportunity that people can have to engage regardless of what sector you're from. Right. So I'm, I'm named earlier, you know, that we have government agencies and we have not-for-profits, but when you think about what topics they're interested in or what domains they're interested in, you know, we had people participate from from the nuclear threat initiative, right? Who just made a game about like how to avoid nuclear war. Like that's so awesome. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we have people who are, you know, at the end of the day, you had Dr. Adam Guzali yesterday talking about how a game passed the FDA for for uh uh, approval to be prescribed to treat ADHD in young people. Mm. Like there's so many different ways games um, can have a positive effect in the community that, you know, we're just constantly diving into different conversations, you know, whether it's the Red Cross, you know, using it for disaster preparedness or um, um, what else is happening. You've got educators, you know, figuring out how to use games to, you know, people teach, teach young people about the constitution, right? The amazing yeah. work that iCivic is doing. So it's, it's, it's like issue or topic agnostic. And so there's always just like such great people who want to learn about the space and we're able to be a matchmaker or just, you know, a convener so people can learn how, how they can connect it to this world. Yeah. A couple more questions for you because time is flying. Jeez, it's, it's going super quick. Um, I am always trying to figure out if the work that I do, which I'm hoping benefits the world and makes the space better, is working. And it's always hard to determine because, you know, everyone wants to use business terms for good, right? They want to like, what's your KPI to make sure you made a thing happen and da da da. I'm always curious from, a, from an organizational standpoint like, like yours and one that you run, What's the what's the thing that keeps you motivated to say like all right we saw this happen that means that the the mission is working that we're we're getting things done in this space like what are those things when you're talking to you know your team about you know motivating them to continue to keep going to do this work Well that's interesting because I feel like we're at this pivotal moment where we can grow significantly yeah. I mean what what we saw the last 3 days with over 6 
you know, 6,500 people participating, that, that says something, right? Like it's no longer a hypothesis that this is, a, this is a topic of interest and that more and more people are, are, are interested in working in, in this. So it's, it's a matter of, gosh, it's really a matter of focus. It's kind of like, it is like growing a business, right? Like, what are you going to focus on next? How do you have the most impact? You know, for the last few years, I mean, let's say when we started the organization, it was absolutely about building a sector. How do we bring more people into this conversation? How do we demonstrate that that games can have the impact? And that that was proven early on. The research has demonstrated across different domain areas that games can help you learn. Games can help you develop empathy. Games can, you know, now with cognitive uh, research and clinical trials, can, games can change the way our, our brain functions. Mm. Then it turned into not can it, but just sharing, like getting more people involved. So then it was about growth, right? Like getting more and more people, or why, right? Why you should mm. pay attention. Now I feel like we're at, and then we started, sorry, then we started focusing on education, right? And that has been a focus for the last few years has about the next generation. How do we empower the next generation of game developers and young people to think about games in this way? Yeah. And so while there's huge career paths, right, you know, in the games industry, um, and it's a tremendous uh, factor in economic development, but how to create a, a diverse and well-represented uh uh, industry that creates diverse and well-represented games in the marketplace, whether they're commercial games or impact games, that's that's a, a huge opportunity for us too. And we've been working a lot in the space. Um, but what's next for us? You know, um, I, I think there's uh, there's an interest to maintain and grow the organization as at, at its core mission, right? Mm -hmm. Which is to empower game designers and social innovators to use games to drive world world impact. Like mm. that's our core mission. Now that can expand into new demographics like the young people, which I talked about, but it also can expand into new medium. So we also, so one of our new areas of focus is uh, virtual reality, mm. right? So VR, AR, MR, right? All those new media, all those new technologies that, that one can play a game in, like there's a whole entertainment, there's a whole game, you know, uh, sector within that. But those new mediums can also drive impact. So there's a lot of uh, enthusiasm and helping develop a community practice around that as well. And we we have programming that we um, that we that build into the Games for Change Festival through a new initiative called XR for Change. Mm. And it's exciting to see that community grow as well in line with what's happening at Games for Change. That's awesome because I was watching the programming and I was like, there are a lot of XR conversations happening this year. So I'm, I, as a person who fully believes that the, you know, lots of folks are talking about VR as being the next step for, you know, how we kind of, uh, you know, yeah. connect in different ways. XR as a whole with all the slivers that go along with that, I think is definitely going to be the space that we see so many folks kind of, you know, break down barriers and break down walls. And this it's great to see you all, you know, Lead, leading that conversation in that way and, and having a, a really good uh, amount of programming that's talking to that. So that's fantastic. I love to hear that. That's fantastic. Yeah, we're very excited about that space too. Yeah, so Games for Change next year. I'm sure you're already planning it. No, I hope you're not. I hope you're taking some time. I'm not just planning it, but I gotta say, yeah, my mind is blown. Like, I thought this was just like a stopgap year, right? Like, all yeah. right, we'll go live this year and then we'll go back to our physical event next year. But I don't think that decision's so easily made. Um, and yeah. we have to really, you know, listen to what 
the people you know who attended this past year want and uh and see what we can how we can deliver something next year so i don't know it will be really interesting i i I have been wondering for folks who put on shows like this if this year was a huge you know uh change and pivot in how we see events like this happen um I, i think for me i'm just really excited to see again you all do this fantastic work uh, you know, hearing the numbers, how, how well they've grown uh, with this particular event just lets me know that, again, the, the message is getting out there and that you're you're doing the, the work that is making the space better. So, uh, Susanna, thank you so much for coming through. It, it really means a lot Aww. for me to, to have you on. Uh, Bricago is really excited about hearing and seeing all the videos once they go up and are online so they can take in some of that great information. And again, let the folks know at home where they can go check out some of the, some of the work and uh, where they can find out more information about what you're all doing. Yeah, so our, our website is gamesforchange.org, straightforward, F-O-R, gamesforchange.org. Um, you'll find information about the festival and then you can link through on our YouTube channel too, which all of the content will live. But you also will find over 200 Games for Change games, like impact games curated on our website. Most of them are the award winners um, that that have uh, been recognized as the best impact games of the year for the past 10 years. Um, so please go check that out and, um, you know, and get in touch. And there's places to get on our newsletter and find out about how uh, you can get involved in our ongoing programming. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Uh, I will definitely be circling back because uh, I want to hear more about those XR conversations for sure. Yeah. Uh, and next year, we definitely want to make sure we're covering everything that you all are doing. So uh, you will definitely hear from us uh, in the future in, in next year for sure. So again, thanks for, for your time. Thank you, Khalif. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Welcome back to the Spawn Me podcast. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. Thank you so much for checking out that dope interview with Susanna Pollock. I think um, one of the reasons I wanted to have her on the show is because Games for Change is like a really interesting conference. It is this interesting matchup, mashup of, you know, charity work and, and, and social, social justice and Games for Change kind of stuff. And, you know, people kind of coming to it, trying to figure out not only can, how they can use games in a kind of more interesting and smart way, but I think one of the things that we also try to figure out is like how to solve problems in the video game industry through the games that we make. And Games for Change is like a really specific conference for that. Like they had everything from neuroscientists talking about, you know, why games uh, are changing the brain to conversations around how to be a better manager and run a better business, you know, within the within the gaming industry to, you know, how to talk to uh, your employees and how to try to build good rapport between, you know, the, the, the company and the worker. Um, in good ways through some of the work that they did this this summer uh, at Games for Change. So uh, always want to be able to bring on people to the show who I really respect and people who are really trying to make a difference in the world through the through the work that they do in the games games industry. Um, and Susanna is killing it, and they're doing consistent great work over in that space. So massive shout out to Susanna again. Thank you for so much for coming on to the show. Uh, and giving us some of your time this week because it was really fun to, to be able to get a chance to finally get a chance to chat. Um, and word, like, uh, this show is almost done. We have uh, another week going. We have some cool stuff happening. This week, I am hosting uh, right now, as we speak, I am emceeing GDC Summer, which was a bucket list thing for me to figure out a way to do games, uh, not games, GDC is 
one of my favorite conferences. It is literally one of the conferences that helped us get our start in a real way um, and really put us on the map in terms of being able to get into spaces with developers and talk to them and, and, and have really candid conversations about the work that they do. Uh, so I have a very special place in my heart for GDC um, and being asked to do GDC summer this, this, this week or this year, because um, who knows what time is, uh, was very, very cool uh, to be able to do that kind of stuff. So for the next few days, I'll be emceeing that uh, for sure, which is going to be super cool. This week, we have a couple of really dope recordings happening for some upcoming shows. One, we're going to have folks from Fuser on the show to talk about the game. So I'm really excited about that. And then also, hopefully we'll be able to make this work. But Erin Ashley Simone, who is a superstar in, in the making, like she is going to take over this industry in so many different ways. Uh, will be on the show with us as well, talking about her new hosting gig over at Venn TV, which I am really excited about because I want to hear all the scuttlebutt about like what that thing is going to wind up being, especially with the conversations about G4 coming back. And then this being in the space too, with this really dope cast and crew, uh, shout out to Charles powers too. Who's doing social over there. I see you, Charles. I love you fam. Um, but I'm really excited to talk to her as well. Uh, to be able to get more of the skinny about what is going on with Venn TV. Uh, so lots of dope content coming. Uh, we have lots of cool stuff. We may space those shows out just to make sure that we have enough content to go around. Uh, but really cool things happening in the space as well. Also, this past weekend, uh, I was able to work with the wonderful folks over at IGDA Foundation. We did some co... We, did, we literally ran a charity event with some of the biggest names in the gaming industry, the IGDA foundation, Shaq news, rec global, and the dope folks from HyperX who we want to figure out ways to partner with and do more stuff with. So we partnered with all of those folks to bring, um, some awareness and some, and some fundraising to the IGDA foundation that does such dope work with, uh, giving developers from all over the world, the funds and the supplies and the, and the means to be able to kind of do the work they want to do. Um, we got a goal of $10,000. We broke through that with $14,000. So I am very, very proud to say that we had a, a, a really cool part within that space for sure. Um, and I got a chance to do some really dope panels with some fantastic folks like Sarah Bond uh, over from Microsoft and, and some other amazing folks giving away fantastic awards and having great conversations about so many different things um, in the space. So I don't know if we are going to have those things in a VOD way up somewhere. Uh, I'll ask them if we can basically borrow some of those and run them on our uh, YouTube channel and have that up there. Cause I think those conversations were really good and needed to be shared as well. Um, so lots of cool stuff coming up next week and in the, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so make sure you have everything locked make sure you're subscribing to everything. Uh, make sure you're hitting up all the buttons and all the notifications for our usual feed, our YouTube stuff. Um, and then we're going to try to figure out some cool ways to do some other fun stuff as well. I was just on Funhouse uh, this week doing a co-op adventure with them. Uh, so check that out on the feeds as well, because Funhouse folks showed mad love uh, and they are really good at what they do. I was watching the edit today and I was like, damn, y'all are dope. Y'all are really killing this stuff. And I mean, I'd seen their stuff before, but once you're a part of it and you see the pre stuff and you see how they cut it and edit, edit all of it together, it's so it's super good. They're like really good at what they do. So that being said, again, remember, uh, wash your hands, wash your butt, make sure you're doing all the cool stuff uh, that you can to make sure that you're keeping yourself safe, you and your loved ones safe. 
Uh, massive love to all of you here in Bracago. We have some cool stuff also hopefully getting done before the end of the month. Just so you know, wink, wink, nod, nod about a whole bunch of cool stuff. So mad love to y'all. We'll see you all soon. We say peace.